Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Most of this hour allows for more of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls. NFL, college basketball among the themes. Little love for Justin Williams and the Carolina Hurricanes as well. With the latter in mind, we bring in our next and final guest of the day. He recently was named the North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year. Knowing him well, he would much prefer to talk about Justin Williams' return to a Canes uniform. And the shootout winner for number 14 against the Islanders yesterday. The Canes are in playoff position once again, but not comfortably so as a 10-day break for the Canes awaits after tomorrow night's matchup against Winnipeg at PNC Arena. We bring in the voice of the Canes, John Forsland. Welcome back, man. How are you? David, congratulations. That's the first thing I want to say to you. Well, thank you very much. Congratulations to you. I have voted for you as the Sportscaster of the Year multiple times. I am so happy you are now a back-to-back -back winner. And I will tell you this. I think I've known you long enough to know you would do this. You don't have to, but you do. Every time you say my name on the air, my phone starts buzzing into oblivion. So we get to kind of share this North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year thing. It, it is a great honor uh, that our own media colleagues voted us into this position. So, you know, thanks for bringing my name up. You do not have to moving forward. I just want you to know that uh, I notice and appreciate whenever you try to bring me under the umbrella. It's an honor to be you know, on the same platform. So enough said with that, but I, I think you know what I'm what I'm driving at here. Right, right so back great. at you. He's John Forslund on Twitter at John Forslund. So I don't know how you keep records of such things. We all know yeah. that Justin Williams' shootout winner against the Islanders was a big deal, but you had never used That's Hockey Baby on a shootout winner before. You save those for special occasions, I know. I, I save it for special plays, and I swear to God, you know, when I do use it, all these phrases are as spontaneous as can be. I don't, I don't believe in contriving things and, you know, pre-scripting and thinking about what ifs. Um, obviously, it's a big game, you know, for him and a big moment for the Hurricanes. He's, he's playing his uh, 1,245th game, I think it was. So, I mean, this is uh, uh, what are you going to do? You could think till the, the cows come home about what you might want to say, but I think any broadcaster that does that goes down the wrong road. So wait for the the spontaneous moment. There it was. Uh, we kind of speculated that we we're waiting for him. I, I right. even said it out loud. I, I <laughs> I'm waiting for Justin Williams here. Then he come. Then the moment appears. It's in the eighth round of the shootout. You know he hasn't had a shootout deciding goal since 2011. Can you wow. believe that? Wow. Yeah. And so that's that's how special and unique it was under those circumstances in his first game back. So I think it deserved it. It just kind of came out. And um, it was a brilliant sequence with Reimer making the save to close the game out. So it was a special moment. John Forslund is joining us. Justin Williams, 38 years old, actually said he was nervous until he reminded himself that he has done this 1,200-plus times. It was his coming back from the layoff game. Uh, John, you know this. I mean, just as you'd rather not talk about your latest honor, Justin Williams rolls his eyes when we use phrases like Mr. Game 7 and stuff like that. Where does the truth lie? Because he is special as a leader. He is singled out by Tom Dundon and Rod Brindamore and his teammates for being that calming influence in the most hectic times of a clutch hockey game. Uh, and yet he's having none of it most of the time. And if I call him Mr. Game 7, it's, he looks at me like he wants to punch me. He's always hated that, and, and I covered him during uh, his L.A. Kings days, you know, during the playoffs 
when that stuff was going on and and the the nickname came about and he he despises it he, he doesn't like it i think he understands it though i think he understands his responsibility i think he knows his place in the game and i think that's what was making him nervous see he understands what being a leader is all about and to come into a middle of a season even though he's still connected with the team even though i'm sure he's had you know plenty of interaction with the players and certainly the coach about what was happening this season without him he still walks into the room as kind of a foreigner and he he understands the gravity of that he understands and respects jordan stall's place as the captain uh, Jacob Slavin, Jordan Martinook, who he took his place in the lineup as an alternate captain. Uh, Williams wasn't, but Martinook is. So they scratched Martinook to give Williams a chance to play. So there's a lot of different things going on in his head that would mean a lot only to Justin Williams. Maybe not to us, maybe not to the fans, maybe not to the rest of the hockey world. But because he's so respectful about his place and what he's been able to do, and again, his responsibility... I'm kind of trying to get into his head as to how he's thinking, and that's why I believe he was thinking that way. Also, he's jumping into a league that's at a high rate of speed in a game that had playoff ramifications around it for this time of the year, a game that was played in a close-checking physical way. It's not easy at any age, especially at 38, to jump in, jump in the deep end and play. And so I think all those things are making him uneasy, and he'll get more comfortable as he moves along. But... As I told you before, you know, the word real is attached to him. The word real is attached to his coach. That's what makes those two guys different uh, uh, compared to others who have been down this road and others who have played for this team. But um, just a just a spectacular guy and as humble as can be. And I think it's, it's real, too. His humility is very real. I mean, he just likes to deflect all this stuff. But he knows that he has to do it. He has to deliver. He did last year to get them into the playoffs and, and, and through the playoffs. And he also understands that he, he needs to say something that makes sense for the betterment of the team. And he always does that with the media. John Forslund's with us. NBC Sports, of course, on a nat- national or international basis, your radio and TV voice of the Carolina Hurricanes here as well. Uh, I don't know what your, since the All-Star break is almost here, again, you can see the Canes host the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night at PNC Arena, then they're off for 10 days. I don't know what your PowerPoints would be at midseason for what has gone right or what needs to get better. But it felt like a lot more right had gone right than had gone wrong through 40-plus games. And then, of course, Dougie Hamilton, best year of his career or life, uh, serious injury, out for multiple months, etc. Does that change in your eyes, your educated guess, how the Canes approach uh, not only the All-Star break, but more importantly, the, uh, uh, the trade deadline lingering in the distance? Because they are a playoff caliber team, but... They just lost one of the most important players on the team, and you know their only all-star as voted in, even though Jacob Slavin is going to uh, step in in Dougie Hamilton's absence. Yeah, figuring out life without Dougie Hamilton is, is, is the transition that they're just beginning with here. And, and I think uh, you know it'll be different and in a lot of different ways. Obviously, you know the point production, his minutes have to be replenished, and, and his minutes will be replenished but in a different way. And you look at the two games they played without him, they're making a conscious effort to become a better defensive team. And I think, uh, you no know, disrespect to Dougie's game, but I think Dougie is, is such an elite player offensively and a risk taker that the, where they were going as a group was kind of getting disconnected defensively. It wasn't Hamilton's fault, 
but they were getting fat on their own success offensively. And, and I think they were becoming unglued as a team. And that's why they've been kind of an up-and-down situation throughout the month of January. Now, the Anaheim game started really well. Their team game kind of evaporated. They scrambled for a point. They lose the game in overtime. Yesterday was a, a, a real 65-minute effort that had a lot of stuff going on both ways. But most importantly, I think they were hunkered down defensively and better that way. And they're going to have to be that way to make the playoffs. And if you look at the division and the conference, this will be a scramble right to the end. So they're going to be in a playoff mode when uh, tomorrow night and certainly every game after the All-Star break in their bye week. It's just those are the conditions. Does the team go out and look at something? They may. Uh, they may have the ability to do that. They may have to do that. Uh, but as of right now, I think, uh, you know, Slavin, who I think is the best player on the team, um, again, Dougie's the best offensive player yeah. on the team, the way he played. But I think Slavin is elite, and Pesci is right there behind him. The other guys have to up the ante. If they do, collectively, they can live without Dougie Hamilton. There's a huge void there, um, and it's going to hurt them offensively because they just don't have that, that prime activating force from the back end that Hamilton delivers. So. That's the fact. It's how you deal with facts in sports. When, when you take that out of the equation, you know, how does a team continue at the same rate or even better? The Canes don't have a choice. With Jacob Slavin in mind, and now we will get to see him in the All-Star game uh, stepping in for Dougie Hamilton. You may not have seen this yet, but The Athletic, which I contribute to nowadays, does this poll anonymously of players to encourage them yeah. to be as candid as possible. Whereas Slavin was not one of the leading vote-getters when they asked who is the most underrated player in the NHL, Alexander Barkov got the most votes, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau and others. When they asked the question, who's the best defensive defenseman in the NHL, Victor Hedman got the most votes, but Jacob Slavin of the Carolina Hurricanes was among the top five vote-getters. Are, are we gradually... As a small market team, seeing some more respect for Slavin and Aho and, and uh, Svechnikov and others, but especially Slavin, because you've been singing his praises for years, and it yeah. feels like much of the NHL at large is only recently catching on. Right, and I think it, it took more national presence. It took three rounds of the playoffs. Yeah. It, it put him in a, in a situation where he's matched up against elite players under playoff circumstances. That's where you get the notoriety. But I, but I really believe that the, the entire thing is um, Jacob Slavin has been this player for a long time. Um, the responsibility of a top-end defender that has to be matched up against the prime players on the other side every single game can mentally wear you down. He has been so durable, knock wood. He has been injury-free. He's got this consecutive game streak going right now. It's the second longest in Hartford, Carolina franchise history. It's well over 300 games. And it's in excess of, you know, 24, 25 minutes a night. The only thing that's hurting him a little bit in terms of Norris Trophy consideration is the fact that he's not a big-time point producer. And the Norris Award has become more of a, a top-end offensive defenseman award because those guys get more notoriety yeah. for what they do for their team. Now, Hamilton, in the first half of the season, improved his defensive game. So he was playing both ways. I mean, he's a plus 30 at the time of his injury. So he, that Norris conversation is warranted. Slavin, in the absence of Hamilton, because now he's on one of the power play units, you know, David, you have to have opportunity to be successful yeah. in life. And so now he has that. 
And will he get more points? He's not going to be Brent Burns or Eric Carlson or John Carlson. He's not going to be that kind of player, but he might get more. And if he starts to get more points, you know, he's starting to become a player. I hate comparisons, but he does remind me a little bit of Nick Lidstrom, the way he plays the game. You know, Lidstrom put some points on the board. There's no question, but he wasn't Bobby Orr-like. But he was certainly a guy who would help anybody's power play, but his defensive acumen was so good. His shutdown ability, his hand-eye with his stick, his turning ability on his skates. Jacob has all of that stuff, and I think he's going to flourish, and he's going to lead the team in the second half of the season. He'll get more notoriety because of it. Last thing for you, John Forslund, TV and radio voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, is joining us here on the David Glenn Show. You can follow John on Twitter if you like, at John Forslund. It's Winnipeg at Carolina. Get there if you can to PNC Arena because, remember, it is a 10-day break. Uh, I don't think the break is that long for all teams, but the Canes happen to have a 10-day break between Winnipeg and their next assignment uh, at the end of the month. One by one, you guys have been doing a whole lot of fun things. You, Trip Tracy, Maniscalco, the, the Canes social media team, etc. I mean, the, the Sebastian Ajo elf on a shelf thing makes me laugh every single time I think of it. My question to you, as I can tell how much fun you guys have, is Trip dressing better on a more consistent basis now that he has had so much shopping time with uh, netminder Peter Morazic and has taken his uh, advice in that department? Oh, he's upped his game. And, you know, he was always a great dresser in his younger years. Yeah. But over time, he's become uh, just comfortable in his own skin <laughs> and likes to show up. And, and I think Peter's called him out on it. Those two have a great relationship. That was a terrific piece. Netminder to netminder, of course. Yeah, and I think it's great. I, I think the Canes deserve a lot of credit on the social media front, the marketing front. I know I, I work for them, but uh, you know what? I, I'm I'm an old schooler, too, so a lot of these things you look around the league and you're like, okay, I, I get it. But so many of these things not only are appropriate, but they bring out uh, the players in a real way. It's not it's not staged. And so um, we got some special guys here who cooperate. And like to have fun too, and I think it's part of their uh, their successful recipe. I, I think Rod uh, encourages this. Uh, certainly, the management does, the ownership does. Um, but that's what that's what you need. You have to connect with your your fans, and there's no question that, as you know, the connection is back. There's some real vibrancy in the arena every single game. A sellout again last night. So uh, these are good times, and we should all enjoy it. His name is John Forslund. He's back-to-back -back the North Carolina Sportscast of the Year. He is cringing as I remind everybody of that. I will tell you the funniest text I received, John, and then we'll send you on your way. Uh, what, I, somebody in the – a high-ranking Canes official, I'll call him, will say, yeah. what's the biggest difference between Glenn and Forslund as the North Carolina Sportscasters of the Year? We pay Forslund – and Glenn has to pay us to be a part of the organization, meaning as a season ticket holder. <laughs> okay. I thought that was a pretty good line, you know. So if you ever, right. if you ever need it, you know, you can fill in. I know my I know my place in life. Yeah. <laughs> so that can only come from a couple of people. Exactly. So I'll figure it out. Thanks, yeah. bud. Hey, congratulations again, and thank you as always for your visits here on the David Glenn Show. Yeah, congratulations to you, buddy. Thanks, bud. On Twitter at John Forsland, TV and radio voice of the Canes, and really one of the best in the business internationally. He, ha I grew up with Gene Hart, voice of the Philadelphia Flyers. I can hear his uh, voice in my head to this day calling all those Flyers games that I watched as a little kid. S a whole generation.
of hockey fans in North Carolina have John Forsland or, you know, back in the day, a Chuck Caton as that voice in their head. And, man, we're lucky. I'm telling you, I've watched a lot of hockey in my life. I love Trip Tracy. I love Mike Maniscalco, who's a longtime personal friend of mine. John Forsland. I grew up with Gene Hart of the Flyers and Doc Emmerich who's a Hall of Famer, the National Sports Media Association, which just gave John and me uh, the, the Sportscaster of the Year Award. Based in Winston-Salem, they honor people nationally. They put people in the Hall of Fame. You know, Kevin Hardlin, the Sportscaster of the Year. There's a Sports Writer of the Year. There's one of each in every state, and occasionally there's ties, obviously. Doc Emmerich is in the NSMA Hall of Fame as one of the greatest voices in the history of any American sport. I grew up with Gene Hart and Doc Emmerich who spent some time in the Philadelphia area. John Forsland is in that class as one of the greatest voices of hockey. He's still a young guy, so we get to enjoy him for many, many more years. Appreciate him dropping by. The voice of the Canes and the North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year. Back to your calls on the other side. The best of the weekend vote is led by Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. It continues with running back Raheem Mostert and the San Francisco 49ers. Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman, and that San Francisco defense getting a lot of love, and deservedly so. College basketball votes all over the place, but starting with Chris Mack, our guest Dino Gaudio, and the Louisville Cardinals who went to Cameron and beat Duke 79-73. Some of Coach K's postgame comments are the subject of a lot of our phone calls today. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. What is explaining what happened? What is complaining about what happened as a coach? And what is throwing your team under the bus? Mike Krzyzewski said Saturday night, I never throw my own team under the bus. I'm not going to make any damn excuses. Some saw that as a shot at Roy Williams down the road. Others just saw it as him explaining he's not a sour grapes guy he credited louisville for the win he did he did talk about the cardinals edge in age and experience and other things compared to his team but that has been the subject of a lot of phone calls today you can be next what is the line between speaking candidly and truthfully about your own team and quote throwing your own team under the bus you could be next at 1-800-849-2761 tiger woods is returning to the golf course in competitive play this week connor mcgregor returned to the octagon on saturday night in a pay-per-view event and took out donald cowboy cerrone in less than a minute in that much anticipated return to ufc action chris mack and the cardinals also in the headlines, Justin Williams and the Hurricanes getting some best of the weekend love as well. You can't come back from your layoff in much better fashion than Willie did just yesterday. What was the worst thing you saw? The Green Bay Packers face planting in San Francisco. The North Carolina Tar Heels losing at Pitt. Carolina has a losing record at 8-9 and nine heading into this week's action. Did you know in 31 years as a head coach, Kansas plus UNC, Roy Williams has never had a losing season. Never. Even his team that missed the NCAA tournament 10 years ago, uh, that ended up in the NIT as the runner-up, they were 16-16 and 16 after the ACC tournament. But they won four games in the NIT before losing one to finish 20-17. and 17. So even Roy's worst previous year was still a winning record. He missed the big dance, but he won 20 games and finished with more wins than losses. At 8-9 and nine right now, 
And Cole Anthony's not going to play this week at Virginia Tech in all likelihood. He's still not practicing. Might the Tar Heels have just their second losing season in almost 60 years? More on that story in college basketball, more on the NFL weekend that was. How far can you go in the modern NFL without asking for a whole lot from your starting quarterback? The 49ers are, are offering a fascinating answer right now to that question. Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball only eight times against Green Bay, and yet the 49ers absolutely trounced the Packers 37-20 to after getting off to that 27 to nothing halftime lead. Obviously, the Chiefs are led by their quarterback. The 49ers have a much different role in mind for theirs. They meet a week from Sunday in Super Bowl 54. Which way is the right way? Which way is the better way? Where does the quarterback fit into the modern-day NFL? My thoughts on that with your questions, comments, and best and worst of the weekend votes. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. Roy Williams, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. (laughs) Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. You know, I really wanted my son to see me play in the Super Bowl, and it means a lot, you know, he gets to see me play. And, and the other day, he told me I played a really good game, and that was one of the biggest compliments I ever got. You know, that's what it's about. It gives you perspective. Everybody contributed to this win in this season, man. I'm thankful, and we're grateful. What do you want to say to everybody who doubted you? Minor setback for a major comeback. That's my favorite. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That was 49ers veteran corner Richard Sherman. He's been really good for a really long time, and some people did count him out after his time with the Seattle Seahawks. Now he and his 49ers are headed to Super Bowl 54. We have open lines for the first time in a long time. If you'd like to cast your vote, ask your question, best and worst of the weekend or otherwise, NFL, college foot, uh, college basketball leading the way, but Justin Williams and the Hurricanes, Connor McGregor's return to the Octagon, Australian Open tennis is back, Tiger Woods is returning to compare Competitive golf later this week at Torrey Pines. That is essentially his 2020 PGA Tour debut. Philip Rivers, Serena Williams, Derek Jeter, Zion Williamson, or others in the headlines. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw and what made it that? You can be next by dialing 1 800 849 2761. We do have some lines open for the first time in a long time. Richard Sherman and Nick Bosa, among others, on that San Francisco 49ers defense. Raheem. Mosert, the no-name-until-now running back, zero career rushes through six different organizations prior to joining the San Francisco 49ers. He had 29 carries, 220 yards, four touchdowns as the Niners romped the Packers 37-20. to Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, and others getting the best of the weekend love for the Kansas City Chiefs after they beat the Titans 35-24. to I got an interesting question from someone listening in Concord, North Carolina, near Charlotte. DG, given that Jimmy Garoppolo of the 49ers was asked to be more of a caretaker and Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs was asked to be the star, but both teams won anyway, what do you think? Do we give the quarterback position more attention than it deserves 
or, as you often say, is it still the most important position on the field? I would ask this way, and, and I'll answer your question as we come back to your calls right now, 1-800-849-2761. An exception should never shake your attachment to the rule if the overwhelming majority of the evidence is that the rule still works. Not all rules are 100% of the time. We're not talking about science here. We're not talking about gravity or other laws of nature, right? Other rules of thumb, the quarterback is the most important player on the field, doesn't, don't mean that they're true in every game for every team in every single year, right? Here's the way I would answer it more broadly, as, and it's a great question because the Niners are 15-3, and three, and Jimmy Garoppolo had a good year at quarterback, but if you made a list of the reasons the, the San Francisco 49ers are great, Jimmy Garoppolo would not be one of the first handful of things that you mentioned. But again, he's a good quarterback. Whereas the Kansas City Chiefs, the list starts with Patrick Mahomes, their leading passer and their leading rusher from the quarterback position as they beat the Titans this weekend. Look around your favorite college football conference. Look around the National Football League. How many Jimmy Garoppolo examples are there and how many Patrick Mahomes examples are there? And this is what I mean. Even beyond that, look around your favorite conference. Look around the NFL. Look around the history of the Super Bowl. We're going to have these two extremes represented in South Florida, Hard Rock Stadium, Miami Gardens, technically. I used to live in South Florida, so it's not Miami proper. But they've hosted a lot of Super Bowls down there. Even Hard Rock has hosted a bunch of them. One of the fun themes is the 49ers ask Jimmy Garoppolo to perform a dramatically different job description than what the Chiefs ask of Patrick Mahomes. But the Niners are still 15-3, and three, so their way is working. The Chiefs are 14-4, and four, their way is working. So they took different roads to the top of the mountain, as I like to say. 1-800-849-2761. You could ask it a different way and say, in the history of the Super Bowl, and for the record, Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo will become the 62nd and 63rd men ever to start a Super Bowl assuming no weird practice injury between now and then, there are 61 different men who have already started a Super Bowl. Now, y'all have been around long enough to know that the majority of those Super Bowl teams have been led by really good quarterbacks. This should not come as a surprise, right? Whether you are a fan of Tom Brady during the New England Patriots dynasty. You might remember Bart Starr from way back in the day as the leader of the old school Green Bay Packers. You know that the, a majority, and I would even say a large majority, of Super Bowl teams, if you want to narrow it even a little bit more, why don't you say Super Bowl winning teams, have been led by not only quarterbacks who were really good to great that year, but really good to great for their careers, right? So Tom Brady is on this list, a Super Bowl champion many times over. Peyton Manning won it as a star, right, in Indianapolis, but also won it with more of a Jimmy Garoppolo-type job description as the leader of the Denver Broncos at Super Bowl 50 when the Broncos beat your Panthers. 
more with a 49ers type approach. They weren't asking Peyton Manning to be a wizard at quarterback that year. They were asking him to be more of a game manager. Running game, strong defense, special teams. Don't lose it at quarterback, and we're probably going to win it, the Denver Broncos of Super Bowl 50. And maybe, we'll see, maybe the San Francisco 49ers of Super Bowl 54 as well. Joe Montana and the 49ers. Johnny Unitas way back in the day. Montana, 4-0 as a Super Bowl quarterback. That is not a game manager. That is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. John Elway, Denver Broncos. He was asked to be a star and delivered. Brett Favre has won the Super Bowl. He was not a caretaker. He was a star. Terry Bradshaw of the Steelers. Roger Stallback of the Cowboys. Y'all know the deal. There are other Jimmy Garoppolo-type stories where somebody not quite as high on the all-time quarterbacks list, maybe they were good in a single year, but they probably, in some of these cases I'm about to mention, were not great for the entirety of their careers like the previous names that I mentioned. Do you know, for example, that Trent Dilfer is a Super Bowl champion quarterback? He was the leader of the Baltimore Ravens at when they won it all in Super Bowl 35. Wasn't that Ravens team a lot like this 49ers team? Led by defense, led by a great running game, led by good special teams. Trent Dilfer was not asked to be a star, but Trent Dilfer is on the list of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. There are other examples, again, more like the stars who, want, who led their teams to Super Bowls, but others more like well-rounded teams led by the guy who either had a great year or maybe just caught lightning in a bottle. Nick Foles of my Philadelphia Eagles from a couple years ago. Mark Rippon of Washington. Jeff Hostetler of one of the Giants Super Bowl winning teams. Yes, there are more stars than there are caretakers at the quarterback position. But the answer to your question is that, yes, the quarterback is the most important position on the field. I gave you a lot more names of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks who were stars for their careers and stars in the year that their team won it all. Not as many names. Jim McMahon of the Bears was a nice quarterback in the NFL. But those Bears won the Super Bowl while he was their starting QB for reasons led by guys not named Jim McMahon. It was defense, it was the running game, and it was just enough of Jim McMahon to put the Bears over the top. That is the, the road less traveled. That's the one Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers are trying to take. As we come to your calls, just remember this. If you're an ACC fan, who were the four best quarterbacks in this league this year? Number one, Trevor Lawrence. Where did his team end up? Playing for the national championship after winning the ACC championship. I'm not here to argue the order here, but who was another of the best quarterbacks? Bryce Perkins. Where did he take UVA? Somewhere they had never been. The ACC title game. I know they lost to Clemson, but after the Tigers, led by Trevor Lawrence, the best quarterback in the league, who had the second best year? UVA, led by dual threat Bryce Perkins. Who were the other best quarterbacks? How about Sam Howell, the record-setting freshman at UNC? How about Jamie Newman, the record-setting junior or one year of eligibility redshirt junior at Wake Forest. Where did those two teams end up? Also in bowl games. It is not mere coincidence that the four teams with the best quarterbacks in the ACC this past season all had good bowl games, winning records, etc., to great UVA and Clemson playing each other for the ACC title type seasons. Not mere coincidence. 
Also, at the other end of the spectrum, who struggled at QB with three different guys? NC State. What are the only two examples of the last decade or so where the Wolfpack had a bad season? The only two examples. Dave Doran's first year and Dave Doran's most recent year. You know what they also are? The only years where NC State did not have a future NFL quarterback leading the Wolfpack. Seriously. I mean, you can't underline the importance of quarterback any more than that. For more than a decade, it has been Ryan Finley, Jacoby Brissett, Russell Wilson, Mike Glennon, all on their way to the NFL. And wow, the Wolfpack was having good to great years every single year. Two years they got caught without a quarterback, they face-planted and missed a bowl game entirely. Not mere coincidence. Similarly, in the NFL, as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Again, I'm not worried about the order as I spit these names out, okay? We'll save that debate for another time. Tom Brady, elite quarterback. Patriots made the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, elite quarterback. Packers were in the playoffs. Drew Brees, elite quarterback. Saints were in the playoffs. Carson Wentz, you might not put him in that same class. Good quarterback. Eagles were in the playoffs. Dak Prescott, good quarterback. Cowboys were in the playoffs. Russell Wilson, Seahawks, very good quarterback. Now, Cowboys didn't make the playoffs. That's, that's one of the exceptions, actually. Seahawks, Russell Wilson, playoff team. Texans, Deshaun Watson, playoff team. Ryan Tannehill was the surprise of the quarterback seat of the 2019 NFL season at the quarterback position. He went from low rated with the Dolphins to his outstanding season with the Titans statistically and otherwise. Where did his team end up? In the playoffs. Lamar Jackson was the biggest breakthrough at QB this year. NFL MVP, not official yet, but it will be. Where'd the Ravens go? The playoffs. Other franchises that had complications at the most important position on the field like NC State in the ACC no QB no bowl four best quarterbacks good to great seasons similarly in the NFL the Steelers had the Big Ben injury complication no playoffs your Panthers had the Cam Newton complication for the second year in a row no playoffs the Colts had the surprise Andrew Luck retirement at the most important position on the field no playoffs you see the parallels here the 49ers are doing it the unconventional way, the road less traveled. Doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means it's unusual because whatever college conference you look at, whatever NFL team you look at, there are exceptions. The best quarterbacks who were healthy and their teams missed the playoffs were guys like Prescott or Matt Ryan in Atlanta or Matthew Stafford in Detroit or Phillip Rivers with the Chargers. They're the exceptions. All the other good quarterbacks led their teams to the playoffs. And you know what happened to the franchises that had mind-numbingly complicated quarterback situations? They face-planted. From your Carolina Panthers to the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Steelers without Big Ben to the Colts without Andrew Luck, they weren't all the worst teams in the league, but you see the parallels, college and pro. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to try to win the Super Bowl that on the path more traveled with their quarterback being among their stars, arguably the Chiefs' best player. He was against the Titans for sure. The 49ers are trying the road less traveled, but that doesn't mean that it is an impossible road to take. 1-800-849-2761. Darren is in Dobson, North Carolina, and next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, DG. Thanks for taking my call. Man. Sure, man. What's on your mind? Uh, I just want to echo a little bit what you're saying, but I think there's really three categories. Yeah, I think you've got 
the great quarterback. I think you got the really good quarterback, and I think you got the athlete. Yeah. And not, and not many average quarterbacks lead their teams to Super Bowl championships, right? You're right. You know, you know, I'm a long-time, lifelong Steelers fan. And, you know, of course, Bradshaw was my man growing up. There, but Bradshaw was a really good quarterback. Agree. I, I think what makes the difference on a good quarterback is that the rest of his team are so – they're all so great. You're right. And that's what it is. So, you know, I think when you surround them with all these great players, I think a Lamar Jackson – and I'm gonna I'm gonna upset the apple when I say because I really want them to win. I think Patrick Mahomes is a great athlete, kind of like a Cam Newton. You know, when they don't have somebody to go to as an outlet that can run under the ball, that can do things, and they have to do absolutely every single bit by themselves, day in day out. Can they do it for a long time? Because we see what happened to Cam now, and you know that. Yeah, you take a beating if you run too much, that's for sure. And Cam's taken more of a beating than any quarterback in NFL history. I mean, just statistically, that is the case. Everybody needs a supporting cast. We know that. Brady has won with better teams, but also somewhat lesser teams. And Patrick Mahomes has a good supporting cast, but is an elite quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is not yet an elite quarterback, and yet in San Francisco, he has an even better supporting cast. You know, I think it would be, you know, I agree with you. Terry Bradshaw does not fit the Tom Brady description. T- Terry Bradshaw, four-time Super Bowl champ, does not fit even the John Elway, Johnny Unitas, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning in his prime quarterback description. If you're not elite yourself, you better be surrounded by an amazing team. What's going to make Super Bowl 54 a lot of fun is that the Chiefs are taking one road led by their quarterback and the 49ers are taking an entirely different road where they want Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman and the rest of that defense and Raheem Mostert, their no-name running back who just ran for 220 yards and four touchdowns against the Packers with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball only eight times. Eight times in the NFC Championship game. This is 2020. That sounds like a stat out of the 1950s, and it happened. Why? Because the rest of the 49ers' depth chart is so dominating that they can get away with asking their quarterback to do less and still feel confident that they're going to win nevertheless. Last call for phone calls on the other side. Best and worst of the weekend, and otherwise, we're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. The head devil... David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. You know, all the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last call for phone calls, best and worst of the weekend or otherwise. A lot of NFL, a lot of college basketball today. Justin Williams in the Canes, Connor McGregor in the Octagon. Louisville going to Duke and beating the Blue Devils at Cameron among your best of the weekend. The North Carolina basketball Tar Heels and the Green Bay Packers, worst of the weekend, leading vote getters so far. 1-800-849-2761. Chuck and Kerry wants in on this quarterbacks conversation. Super Bowl 54 will be known for a variety of themes when it comes about a week from Sunday. And one of them will be the 49ers asked Jimmy Garoppolo to do a lot less 
than what the Chiefs ask of superstar Patrick Mahomes. He has 11 career touchdown passes already in the postseason. That's for his career, a relatively young career. Only Dan Marino had that many or more prior to the age of 25. So Mahomes is truly a special talent. Garoppolo is a good quarterback, but the Niners are just so good on defense, so good at running the ball, that it's only sometimes that they need to ask him to be great. Chuck and Kerry has Jimmy G in mind. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Well, I will start off by saying I'm a, I'm a Carolina alum, so I am very glad that my 49ers are doing something to play this Carolina basketball season. <laughs> Balancing things out for you a little bit, huh? But, uh, you know, I was watching on, on ESPN all last week, all the gurus talking about how Jimmy G can't do it and they got to run the ball and they got to do all this. But, you know, I looked it up and, and he had 93 fewer passing attempts than Aaron Rodgers, but threw for only 24 fewer yards. Yeah. Second highest completion percentage of the, in the league. Uh, longest yards per attempt in the league, and uh, more touchdown passes than Goff, Rivers, Brady, Matt Ryan, and Aaron Rodgers himself. So I think last night was more of a more of a uh, showing what their their running game can do because they were picking up at nine uh, seven yards a clip. Yeah, when you run that well, that makes the quarterback's job less complicated for sure. You're reflecting two things: one, Garoppolo has been better than some people think. Now he only had a two to one touchdown to interceptions ratio, so it's not like he tore it up. He had the benefit of a great running game, which leaves receivers more open, defenses are more stacked toward the line, etc. And you're also pointing out that Green Bay tried a different road. Remember, all those years where Mike McCarthy and Britt and uh, Aaron Rodgers made the playoffs together, it was usually asking Aaron Rodgers to be the superstar. Matt LaFleur tried to rebuild the Packers in a different image. And Aaron Rodgers' numbers were down in the regular season in large part because they wanted to be a more well-rounded football team that was not as dependent on Aaron Rodgers come the postseason. And rather than needing him to work a miracle, they did sign and develop pass rushers. They did develop Aaron Jones as their running back. They gave uh, him Aaron Rodgers a better supporting cast. Now, in the end, it was still exploited by the 49ers. The Packers couldn't stop the run. So, yeah, they run the ball better this year than in the past. Yes, they rushed the passer better this year than in the past. But when you can't slow down Raheem Mostert, it almost doesn't matter how good Aaron Rodgers is going to be. It was 49ers over Packers because the 49ers defense is that dominating and because the 49ers ran the ball right down the Packers' throats. And Aaron Rodgers can't be blamed for all of that. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance. And I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances. And I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Final thought and MLK quote on MLK Day. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. TV picks for tonight. State at Virginia, 7 o'clock ESPN. An NBA on TNT triple header, including Lakers, Celtics, Australian Open as well. Thanks to Dino Gaudio and John Forslund for dropping by. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love 
the state of North Carolina. Love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.